From coast to coast, women grow up with their bodies being watched and, almost without fail, learning to watch their own bodies. This self-surveillance begins young and for many women feels impossible to stop. It permeates our relationships and decisions, negatively impacts our physical well-being, mental health, and overall quality of life. The Body Myth Podcast explores how we got here, why our size and shape have nothing to do with happiness, and what we can do to find body peace. I'm Ronit Plank, and I'm your host for the Body Myth Podcast. Let's get off of this weight and body image roller coaster together. Thank you so much for listening to The Body Myth this season. It's been a pleasure to have these interviews with women I admire and who came to be a guest on my show with vulnerability and honesty and a willingness to explore how they got to their current body image story. Today's episode, my last, is featuring my mom, Maureen, who talks with me about body size and body image issues in America all the time. And we've been talking about weight and diets and how people can make their way out of the pattern and yo-yo dieting so many of us experience for decades, I think. I think we've been talking about it as long as I was old enough as a teenager to start worrying about my body. And I wanted to have my mom on because she had her own body image story growing up that shaped the rest of her life. Before I introduce my mom, and that is really just such a treat to be able to have her here, and I'm grateful that she said yes. My mom has listened to my podcast and supported me from the beginning, and I really appreciate that she has decided to be my guest and to trust me with her story. And we thought that we would laugh a whole bunch in this episode because sometimes something hits us funny and then we can't stop laughing, but we didn't. And we had a mostly linear conversation, but... um it, it really is a privilege to be able to interview my mom for a podcast that I so love. And here are the answers to the very last question from the survey that I conducted, the Your Body in the World survey. And I saved this section for last because I wanted to go out on this note. The question was, if you could offer girls and women younger than you one piece of advice about their bodies, what would it be? And now I'm going to read some of the answers. The body always wants to heal. Listen to your inner voice and don't be so hard on yourself. Accept who you are. You're beautiful in every single way. Take up space. Be bold. Embrace the beautiful spirit that you are. This body will grow, shrink, change. It's a vessel. Your soul is your home. You can actively pursue a differently sized body or you can actively pursue a peaceful relationship with the body you already have. Both are hard work. The second option will last your whole life. Embrace the culture of body positivity. Diets don't work. Stay healthy, whatever that looks like, and size is just a number. I do not feel comfortable offering advice to other people about their bodies. 
I don't feel especially insightful or prescriptive about this, so I would probably just say that our bodies are there to serve us in whatever way we want to use them, and that comparisons with others will make you crazy, and that the numbers are meaningless in terms of weight and other metrics. Every body is different and wonderful. Each body style has its positive aspects. Enjoy the superpowers nature gave you, be it strong legs, stability because of a low center of gravity, the ability to reach high places because you're tall, or whatever nature has granted you. Happiness comes with acceptance and appreciation. Your body is miraculous and wonderful. It's beautiful the way it is. Enjoy every second you can. Break down what your body actually is. It's a vessel for your brain and functions. Think of it as an earth suit carrying you through life. Nothing more. Goodness. Love yourself. All of this is absolutely not worth the time and energy these thoughts rob you of. No one has a right to comment on your body, and anyone who does, it's more about their issues than yours. Bodies are meant to be different sizes, and shaming people for their weight is manipulative and cruel. I wish someone had told me that. Learn to like, support, and nurture your body unconditionally. Love thyself unconditionally. Eat what nourishes you. Move your body as often as you can in whatever way makes you feel joyful, and allow your body to take whatever beautiful shape it does. Embrace what you have. Do not believe any magazine or advertisement or person who says that you are not okay the way you are. If you want to experiment with makeup and hair color and clothes, do it for fun, for joy and expression, not to impress someone. Enjoy everything you can about your body, whatever shape it is in. Find ways to move for the fun and joy of it. No one gets to judge you. Be kind to yourself. It is the first step to making the world a better place for everyone. Don't turn your body into your enemy. Love and accept it as it is, just as you want to be loved and accepted as you are. That was so good to read, and I hope it felt good to hear. And I'm struck by how wise we are and how insightful so many women are on this survey. And these are the same women who answered the questions earlier in my episodes about diet and size and how they feel about themselves. So it seems like we know logically when we center ourselves to treat ourselves well and with love and we have compassion for others and wish others body peace. And maybe the next step is being able to incorporate what we understand and wish for with how we live our lives and how we think about our bodies. And that is part of why I decided to do this limited series to help us sort of integrate what we know, what we want to achieve, and how we live now. Thank you so much for being here for this season. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with my mom, Maureen. Today, my guest is my mom, and we decided to do this episode together for the very last episode of season one of The Body Myth, because my mom and I have talked about body image and weight and diets and our beauty culture for so long. I mean, I don't know. We've probably been talking about this for 20 years or so, right? Maybe 15 or 20? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so do you want to introduce yourself and how, how people should know how to identify you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I'm Maureen and I'm happy to be doing this because this has been my I feel like it's my life's work mm. yeah so I'm I'm really excited mm. yeah so in what way mom has this been your life's work because I've been dieting since I'm 15 and mm. um and you know I don't have a problem revealing how old I am I'm 74 and this has been going on for a long, long time, and it started with diet pills that... You know, yes, go, go back for the whole... Okay, back? so how about this? Like, I'll start the way I start with all my guests. Okay. Which is, Maureen, how old were you when you first became self-conscious about your body? Well, I think I was much younger than that. I was probably four or five when, you know, it started people saying, oh, I don't know if they said I was chubby because I really wasn't, I was, you know, I was cute. I was, a, I guess I was a little chubby. And um, obviously I liked food and my brother and sister were really thin, especially my brother. So I think it started then where they started, you know, depriving or I was hearing like, oh, you don't need this or, you know, you could only have one, not two. Hmm. Were you the only one they were doing that to? Yes, yes. And you, you have know, two siblings. I have a, yeah, younger sister, older brother. And I think the, the thing that stands out to me was the chocolate pudding because I love chocolate pudding and I used to cook it. You know, I used hmm. to make it. My, my mother would have me make it. And they could have two portions, but I couldn't. And I felt, I definitely felt very deprived about that and, and felt it was unfair. What Did your mom eat around you? Oh, that's another um, thing. So food around our house, you know, there was plenty of food. It was it never skimped on food. I mean, it wasn't just por- portion wise was big. It was mm. always big. But she never ate around us. So we my sister and I would eat in the kitchen and she would stand behind us. And I never saw her, you know, she never sat down to eat. Mm. And she would hurry us up, finish up your food, finish up your food. And it was constant. Do you know why? I think so. I I kind of, I was writing a little bit and I realized that she was probably so hungry that she (laughs) wanted to eat off our plates and Mm. she was always, you know, dieting. Yeah. So I remember stories from you and from my uncle about the diets or at least the diet pill. Can you talk about that story, the, the infamous story of the potential like worm? Well, you know, I don't know so much. I think it was my father. So my mother was on I get, she was on diet pills. There was a diet doctor that was down the street, Dr. Sherman, I remember his name, and she had all these pills that she was taking. And then I think my father, I remember my father saying, well, she's... And this is in the 50s. Yeah, mm-hmm. that she's crazy because of all these pills. I mean, he even, know, he must have noticed it. And then I think it was him that found a worm in one of the pills. Mm. And, and the she, idea of being like as a tapeworm or something? Yeah, I don't know, actually. So this is like I an urban know. legend in the story. I mean, I have heard of this diet before. Um, um, I really? have heard of, you know, people taking worms before. He may have heard it or maybe he actually saw one. Yeah. But it seems like one of those like stories that gets passed around in a family that you can never really corroborate. Right. I have no way of knowing what really um, happened. But did your mom ever talk to you in a complimentary way? You know, <laughs> that's 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 a tough one. No, mm-hmm. I I think she was just a very angry woman, and she was pretty narcissistic. I mean, mm. it was pretty much all about her. And mm-hmm. I think that she also had this thing about food that we weren't allowed to open any packages. That she was the one that had to open the bag of cookies mm-hmm. first. We weren't allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of came to the conclusion now as I've gotten older that she was probably a binge eater and mm. a compulsive eater. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you were younger, you probably, did it just seem like restriction? Like she yes. was restricting you? Yes. I felt like she was restricting me, depriving me, because I would hear her say, well, I don't want you to have the same problems as I've had. And, you know, I think she felt like she was protecting me, but... Um, we know that doesn't work, right? No. When you try to do that for your kids or you even, I feel like if you even point out their body size or make them self-aware, then you're you already are causing a problem for them. Absolutely. So you, you can you talk about, I remember the anecdote, you telling me that story about eating from the ice cream. Oh, that's Can you funny. talk about it? Well, I was a teenager. But, so when I when I hit my teenage years and I had money on my own, and I'll tell the ice cream story because yeah. that's a different story. And then you story. should also tell the rapper story, the food in your bedroom story. Oh, gosh. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> so, you know, out of deprivation becomes, you know, you're searching for food all the time. And I wanted that gallon of ice cream that was brand new in the freezer and my mother was working by then and so I must have been 11 12 maybe I was 12 13 so I took the box of ice cream out of the freezer and I ate started eating from the bottom figuring that she wouldn't know and I heard the front door open and I I panicked and I took the gallon of ice cream and put it in the washing machine and um I was I was so I felt I was so guilty did you leave it in there I don't know I think I, I probably slipped it back into the freezer but for the moment it was yeah. like oh like what yeah. are you up to you know you know yeah. that kind of thing yeah. yeah and then what about the rappers in your so as a teenager you know there was there was so much about food and body and dieting and you have to look a certain way that when I started even back then oh gosh yes I mean I was not I was not fat you know yeah. I was you know maybe I was tall I was bigger than my, my friends but you know, she decided that I needed to do something about my weight. And so the first diet I went on, I was like 15. And she took me to a diet doctor in Manhattan. And I was on like 15 to 20 pills a day, a water shot. Hmm. And did you feel weird on those pills? Oh, gosh, I I couldn't sleep at night. Hmm. I was I talked. If you think I'm talking fast now, I talked so (laughs) fast. And I think I lost like 20 pounds in that month. I was done. That's all I needed to, to lose at that point. Um, did your world change at all? Did she treat you differently when you lost that weight? Or did your friends treat you differently? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I looked, you know, Were you I was proud really of it? Thin. Or were you happy about it? Or did you feel, how did you feel about it? You know, it? that's a good question. Because I think, I don't think I really cared that much. Hmm. I I didn't. You know, it was the first diet I had been on, and I was really thin, you know, after those 20 pounds is a lot, mm-hmm. and at that point, it was mm-hmm. a lot, and I'm, I think I was like 145, and I was 5'7", mm-hmm. so for me, that was that was really thin, mm-hmm. and I just, and I just remember the, I'll talk about the rappers, but I just remember after finishing that month and diet pills and then eating again and the weight starting to come back again, this is the start of the whole, as we call it, the yo-yo diet where the weight creeps back up and then you gain 10 pounds more. Mm -hmm. And this is the whole, this was the start of the cycle. So because of dieting and feeling deprived and my mother restricting, I would take my babysitting money and I would buy cakes and candies and whatever I could get. I was a sneaky eater. I mm-hmm. had candies, wrappers in my pockets, in my coat pockets. And I would eat along the way. I would be walking outside and I would be tearing off a piece and quickly putting it in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And so that became my practice. And then 
I would hide things in my bedroom. My mother always found them. I mean, in mm-hmm. the end, she did. Well, because she was sneaky, too. Yeah, I, I mean, you learn how to be sneaky from her in a way. I know. And... But, you know, in retrospect, I didn't realize that she had this problem. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I just knew that she was on diet pills and she, you know, wanted to be thin. Mm-hmm. And So um, did you feel like what you were doing was wrong or bad? I felt, I think you feel a little guilty because like you're shame sneaky. shame, too? Yeah. Like, yeah, because yeah, you're, you know, you're... You're doing something that's really, really sneaky. Mm. You know? So what about your father? What was his reaction to you like during these years? Maybe, you know, about your weight or did you ever get an impression from him? Well, my dad was, again, he was very handsome and he always talked about being slim and, you know, just eat a little bit. And all you have to do is you can eat everything, but it has to be in the right portion. So, so he would talk to you he about was, it. He was definitely, I think he was probably just as you know it was just as important to him as it was to my mother in some ways Mm -hmm. I mean I don't know they were you know he would say things to me like oh gosh you know I I heard that a lot like oh you you have such a pretty face but you know you know Mm -hmm. the rest of you so it was like you start you know feeling badly about your body that -hmm. your body is you know I don't want to say worthless but it is kind of like that like you know what everyone's paying attention to the yeah. To my face and my head. So did it start affecting you like when it came to dating or did you start to internalize how you felt people were seeing you? You know, this is interesting. I It was more on my part. No one. It's so interesting because I think families do so much harm because it comes from the family. You know, my brother used to call me names. He'd call me horsey bar and laugh at me. And Which I still if you think, what does so horsey funny. bar mean? Why did he say horsey what bar? What does horsey it's, bar mean? I don't know where he got that expression. It's pretty. It's I mean, pretty, I like it. It's I funny, but I don't know what it, I don't know what it means. Because I was like a horse. I yeah, don't but know what the, what's the bar. I have no idea. Okay. It's so crazy. And you know, and 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 comments from you know my parents, or even my sister who was younger. But outside the house, you know, no one ever said anything to me. And I never, nobody called me names because I really wasn't, I wasn't fat, you mm-hmm. know. I just, you know, but I, of course, started, you know, I thought, I didn't think well of myself. I didn't, my self-esteem was definitely going down. And also, I mean, you know, your mom wasn't nice to you regardless of that. Like, separate from weight, she was not a nurturing person. No. So how could you feel good about yourself? No, no. There was, you know, I didn't have a chance. Yeah. I didn't have a chance in that family. But luckily, you know, I had great friends and their parents. They helped me along the way. And I, I felt taken care of by them. Mm-hmm. Definitely not by my family. But mm-hmm. on the outside, outside of the house, I was really cared for mm-hmm. and appreciated and liked. And as far as dating, you know, I didn't, I never really, you know, I was more shy than anything. So when you Boys. when you moved out of your house, you know, and you went to the kibbutz in Israel, where I was born, where you you were married to my dad, and then you had me and my sister, and life was really different there. You know, there was communal life. You know, there was like food you ate in a group and stuff like that. Did you think about your body a lot? You know, I remember dieting there too. I actually dieted after I gave birth to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I was cooking. I mean, I was the head cook there. So yeah. I, I I don't think I was, I didn't, I don't think I had the binging, the compulsive eating part was, mm-hmm. was much less, you know, than it was in my teenage years because the access to food was different. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had like a, a store that you could get cookies and stuff like that. But 
I don't, I don't remember, you know, doing that, having that behavior as much. And then when you had my sister, were you worried about losing weight after that too? I think I did lose weight. You know, it was constantly in my head, you know, the Weight Watchers, the, you know, I had been at Weight Watchers as a teenager after the, you know, Mm -hmm. that was in my late, you know, like 16, 17, I did that. Mm -hmm. And I think every Jewish teenager yeah. Did Weight Watchers, honestly. Really? Yes, because I hear story after story. And well, yeah, I want to talk very about popular. your friends. Like a lot of your friends, didn't their moms treat them similarly? I mean, I think you have a whole... Something I know from like when we were young uh, and we would see you on weekends was you had a couple of like uh, friends who were um, wearing plus size clothing or were on diets and stuff like that. And then as I got older and would visit you, you, you worked for a store that sold plus sizes and a lot of your friends were women who were living in larger bodies I guess is that how I would yeah yeah. definitely and so that was like your world and there was a part where people talked about their weight but also really embraced it so can you think back to your late 20s with us being a single mom were probably really stressful I can't I don't imagine that you were thinking too much about your your weight at that point but no I was probably just really eating you know the thing about that is that once you've started dieting Mm -hmm. you're in this cycle of either you're dieting or you're eating or you're Mm -hmm. binging Mm -hmm. you know there's 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 no no middle ground there's no middle ground there's no because you you've forgotten how to eat Mm -hmm. you it's just gone Mm -hmm. so the only thing you know is either you're going to diet and be strict or you're going to eat like crazy until the next you can't find equilibrium not not then no. When did you then reinvest in diets and Weight Watchers? I mean, because I think there was a time where you were not I was trying to lose weight. And this may lead into some of the notes that you brought today. But I, I feel like there are times when you were doing Ayurvedic eating mm-hmm. where you lost weight and you were pretty passionate about that lifestyle. And then you did Weight Watchers. I don't know how many times you were going to Weight Watchers meetings. Then, you know, somewhere along the line, you kind of stopped doing that. And so I'm curious if you can talk about the, the may, maybe the main touch points of those things, like your Weight Watcher thing, your maybe your Ayurvedic thing, and then the health at every size or okay. the, the giving that up. So I think in the late 80s, I worked for a plus size boutique and I did some buying and I also was a plus size model, which was great. And I really, really felt good in my body and my size and I mean there wasn't a day that somebody didn't compliment me oh what a great outfit Mm -hmm. oh what jewelry you know it was just I embraced it as you as you said and I felt really good about it and I and that went on for a few years and and then I don't know what happened you know there's always some trigger and Mm -hmm. and even when I started working for Nordstrom and I was still I was working in plus sizes and then was managing and opened three of their departments encore I mean, it was it was a great time. It was you know a lot of acceptance, and then, and which then is it, notable because it, that was the '90s, right? It, right, it was the '90s, and that was early still 90s. we're still in the Kate Moss, you know, heroin chic, really skinny like era. Right, so it's kind of notable. Yes, and and also plus sizes was like really becoming big because Nordstrom was reopening those departments which they had closed down, and then Macy, well, it was the Bon Marche at the time was doing it in JCPenney's. And I mean, I did a lot of modeling for these Mm -hmm. stores and um, they were really embracing plus sizes, Mm -hmm. which has totally changed now. But 
And and then I think um, the I'll go to the Ayurvedic because that was the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. So I was managing at Nordstrom, and I uh, listeners, my mom is devoted to Nordstrom, <laughs> <laughs> retired Nordstrom employee. Yes, but like through and through Nordstrom all the time. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. And anyway, I um, I just was working really hard, and I just did this workshop with Deepak Chopra and. I just got back in touch with, you know, sort of I needed to slow down. I needed to meditate. I needed to just like Mm -hmm. take a look. And shortly after that, we and then he talked about Ayurveda. And I found that very interesting because they believe that food is healing and illness comes from poor digestion. And it was a lot of different things. And it was around for like 5,000 years. And so I looked into that, and, and shortly after that, I stepped down as a manager, and I thought, I took my life back. I started, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'm going to try this Ayurveda thing. I've tried everything, but I'm just going to be open to it and see what happens. And no weighing, no no measuring, nothing, no scale. And I started doing the treadmill and eating really healthy foods, and I, the weight just started coming off. And people would ask me, what are you doing? How much did you lose? And I would say, I don't know. You know, I didn't want the emphasis to be on the weight loss. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to feel good too at the same time. So I did that and I stuck with that for a couple of years. And then, you know, it slowly, you know, the weight started coming back again. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I dieted for a while. I was done with it pretty much. And then I think when I turned 60, after like 60, 61, I decided, all right, here we go. I'm going to do Weight Watchers. And that was the last time I did Weight Watchers. And I think I I lost 65 pounds. I did Weight Watchers. I got my friends into it, Mm. you know, and I, you know, I, I held to it for a while and I kept most of the half of the weight off and, and And I noticed that they kept sending me cards like, come back, come back. And I went, what is this? How do they know I gain weight? I thought it was very interesting that they they still want your business. They yeah. want you, like they know that this doesn't work, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That you'll always have to work. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was my, this has been my journey. And I finally, oh, I don't know. I think it's about five, six years ago. I, you know, I had read some of Janine Roth's books and then I did a retreat um, in California with her a five-day retreat and about giving up dieting and it was it was good it was my first step mm-hmm. and then slowly I read more books in um, Health at Every Size Linda Bacon who is not Linda anymore but also I heard him say in a in an interview that even Health at Every Size is flawed because it shouldn't matter Hmm. what you know if you think about it what a person's weight is or what their health is you know we put the emphasis like well if you're going to be take care of yourself then it's okay mm. but what if you don't take care of yourself mm-hmm. is that okay mm-hmm. you know we have mm-hmm. to think do you about mean like things. it's our choice yeah, yeah. it's like you we, should be treated equally humanly right regardless regardless of how you're taking care of yourself yes yeah. yes it shouldn't be judgment judgment exactly yeah. it shouldn't be judgment about that so it's been it's it's been a journey, you know. I thought it would be magic. I thought, oh, if I if I stopped dieting and I ate when I was hungry and I stopped when I was full, the weight would just kind of 
mm-hmm. just melt off. I mean, here was, the, you know, it was mm-hmm. my my fantasy. And I think for some people that did happen, but it doesn't happen for everyone. And it didn't happen for me. And I also think in my head, I thought, if you're successful, then if if you do this, then you'll be thin. Mm-hmm. But that was another wrong perception. I think, you know, looking back at it and reflecting now, it is it is a journey. It's a it's a difficult path to give up dieting and to gain weight, to find peace mm-hmm. with it. So do you have peace? You know, I have freedom. I've never had so much freedom with food. I have it's it's so interesting to me. It's amazing because if I had to buy a bag of potato chips or a bag of cookies, it would be gone in that one night because mm-hmm. it was bad. You mean nowadays or before? Before, mm-hmm. you know, because I would have to diet. Yeah. So I'd have to finish it all because the next day I was going to be on a diet. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens to people who diet. Mm-hmm. That's the way women think, mm-hmm. you know. But now it's like if you open my pantry, there's like three bags of cookies. There's little candies, little caramels. There's all these different things. I have ice cream in the freezer that I don't even bother with. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to throw out because it's got ice on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, dried ice. So it's it's very freeing to to eat what you want and not worry about it. Mm-hmm. And and you're not there's no there's no binging. There's no binging anymore. Mm. Which yeah. is really binging is so it's such a terrible place to be in when you're binging and you're compulsive eating because you think you're the worst person mm-hmm. on uh, in the world like you're you know something is really wrong with you and um i mean it really has its mental toll on on you dieting and mm. binging and compulsive eating i imagine bulimia all of those things so how do you feel about size now okay <laughs> you know it's hard sometimes when I see myself in a photo and I see this belly and I think, where did that come from? I never had that when I was younger, you know, and, you know, part of it has to do with age and I don't love it, mm-hmm. but I'm not, you know, every time I think, well, I'm going to do something about it because these thoughts come back and I think, well, I, I won't do wheat, you know, I won't do flour or, okay, I'm not going to do sugar or, you know, there's an event that's happening in September. I, I, I can't have this, you know, I, I can't have this belly. I just can't. And so I think, okay, I'm going to do it. And it lasts about a half hour. Mm-hmm. And I go, no, I'm, God damn it, I'm going to have that bagel. <laughs> you know? And yeah. so, you know, so that's where I am now. Um, I think it's ongoing. There was, um, there was something about, what did, Oh, I think you, it was maintenance phase about yeah. calories. Oh, yeah. And oh. Um, a shout out to anyone who listens to maintenance phase. I know especially my guest from last week, Stephanie Weaver, loves that one. And there's a really good episode on calories. It's called maintenance phase and just about kind of the ridiculous calculations it took to figure out what calories do. But also that, and I'm going to paraphrase, you can correct me, calories are different in everyone's body because we all metabolize things differently. And it's right. not a, a formula, a scientific formula. So, you know, each of us could eat, let's say, a hundred calories of something but the way our hormones affect it the way our metabolisms affect it the way our bodies our age affect it we're going to take different amounts of you know storage from that or energy yeah 
Exactly. Which it shows you exactly how hamster wheelie it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is that what you were going to say? I, I was going to say, well, it was really, it, I love these, you know, these podcasts because you learn something and and it affects you and you, th- you start thinking about it. And so I thought about the calories and I realized, oh, I still count calories. You know, this is the last mm. vestige of my of my disorder of my dieting thing, you know, because that's what I used to do. And so if I have an organic Amy's frozen dinner and stuff, I'll look, oh, that's 360 calories. Oh, no, that one's 500. I'll do the 360. And I can't believe I'm still doing yeah. that. And so it made me very clear. So the other night I I pulled out and I didn't want to cook. And so I had one of the Amy's and I did not look at the calories. I don't know what the yeah. calories were. So it's kind of you, you have to decompress. Yeah. From all the stuff that you've learned in the diet culture. And and it's it's really, if I had to say anything, it's just a process that you have to, you know, go with if that's what you're committed to. And it's also, I feel, really frustrating. And maybe this is similar to other cycles when people are trying to stop doing something. Maybe it's similar to addiction cycles. I'm not sure. But it's such a strange thing to be so certain that you don't, that one doesn't want to get on that diet yo-yo thing again, that hamster wheel, and then in the next moment be sure that they need to because they're not happy with how they look, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, go for it, and then throw up their hands and say, this is ridiculous, I'm not doing this again, I should know better already. Like, that idea of being on a diet and, like, needing to lose weight is an addiction in a way. I mean, it's not, and I'm not a psychologist, and I shouldn't say that, but it's sort of a pattern of behavior that's really hard to break, and it's like, Mm -hmm. if if you lose the weight, the, quote, weight, and you want to look a certain way and you get there, the cost of staying there or the cost of of trying to lose more is high, high mentally and physically. And if you don't lose it and you stay where you are naturally or where your body wants to be, can you get to a place of peace so that there's no big cost mentally and emotionally for staying where your body wants to stay? Right, right. You know? Uh, Yeah, good, very good, good point. Because the thing is, you know, I believe, and I think, it's been proved diets do make you fatter in the long run. If you're a dieter like me from the time you were young, I'm probably at my highest. I don't weigh myself. That's something I do not do. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I know that, you know, I'm at my heaviest and I know that I don't, you know, most of the time I do not overeat and I'm not, it's just the way it's going to be. And I'm come to terms with that. And, you know, to me, it's always like, well, the success story is that you're thin. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because a lot of people you listen to podcasts and, and they've 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 done it. They've mm-hmm. lost the weight. But it's it's such a heavy toll because the people that I know that have done food recovery, I mean, they have to stick with it for their whole lives, weighing their foods, not going, mm-hmm. you know, cutting out flour, cutting out sugar. And I knew that wasn't the route mm-hmm. for me. That like that really, was not ri- going to work. Really, really rigid. Very and, rigid. And can you live that way? Do you, is no. it worth the trade-off, right, for no. you to do that? And so then is the is the idea of being a different size still tantalizing? You know, I think I've come to, I've come to acceptance. I, I think at this point in my life, you know, I have a story when I was working at Nordstrom and I had done uh, Ayurveda and I lost weight and this woman came up to me and she was older at that time. She was what, close to 80, 75, I don't remember. And she came up to me, she said, Maureen, I lost five pounds. And I went, oh my gosh, please, I don't want to be that way at 80. I don't. Right. And it was such a, it really struck me, you know, and I remember, I'll always remember that. And I think, 
No, do I want to keep struggling with this? I do not. And here's the other thing I've been thinking about a lot. I think about the loss of all the years that I wasted trying to be something that my body did not want to be. That if I was larger, you know, a little larger, and that would have been acceptable, I would have been a little larger. Mm -hmm. And that would have been fine. But, you know, everything in our diet culture says that's wrong. You have to be a certain size and you have to weigh a certain weight. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's so much, and I think for women every day who get on the scale and their day is determined what this, you know, what the scale says if they've gained weight or lost weight and how they're going to eat. You know, I've heard women, you know, do you want a cookie? Oh, no, I had one today. It's like I want to pull my hair out, you know. Okay. But I think that I do have a real strong sense of grief and loss of all the struggles that I had with weight and body image and the things that I didn't do because I wasn't the right weight mm-hmm. or held myself back from. And I, I, I just don't want that for other women. For mm-hmm. why, why would you do that to yourself? You mm-hmm. don't have to. I mean, we have information now. We have wonderful, positive body positivity. And mm-hmm. I think that's, honestly, I think that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you want to read a little bit from your book? Tell me what, what this is. So I just wanted to read. I was listening to, you had sent this article by Sam Anderson. Yeah, the that really good piece. New York Times piece. Mm-hmm. And then he was on the Daily this past Sunday mm-hmm. and he read it. Oh, wow. And there were things that um, really struck me what he said. And it was in the last three minutes of the podcast. And I had to listen to it. He had done Noom. He had gained weight during COVID. And he came to the conclusion that it was still him. Nothing really changed after he lost the weight. But he said, to quote him, diet culture is fear of death disguised as transformation. And then I wrote, diet culture takes away your dreams. Mm. And he said, this is interesting. Diet culture is a sublimated response to this crisis on an attempt to discipline the unruliness of the body. So he was saying basically that what he came to it's, is that we're all afraid of death, basically. And so we try to manipulate our bodies, our bodies. and control our bodies. It was an interesting yeah. point. I know. I remember liking that quote a lot too. And I wonder yeah. if that was, if it's sort of a distraction, if that's kind of what he's saying in part that it's a distraction from our mortality and our lack of yes. control. Yes. This makes us feel in control. Yes. This makes us feel we can mold or shape ourselves. Similar when you dye your hair or you change your right. nails or right. you buy new clothes or you plan a trip, you are taking charge of your life. Right. You know, and, and on a bigger level, your size. I'm going to do this thing and, and whip myself into shape or look the right way for an event or something. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. agree. That was a really good article. I'll link to it in the show notes Yeah, too. you should. It was really good. And I also think that, you know, I was going to say dieting is a distraction. It's, a, it's, it's also a repetitive behavior because it's cyclical, right? It's, yeah. it, you never move forward. And every time somebody goes on a diet, I used to say people go on a diet every three years because it takes that amount of time to gain the weight back. Mm. And so it's like, okay, I got to do it again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been true for me. And I think that it's just such a, it's like, it's exciting to go on a diet. Sure. It's like, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to control. I, I can do this. It's the promise of change. change. It's the promise of different. Exactly. And and the weight loss. And it's like, and then everybody's saying how great you look. And and then, of course, then there's humiliation and shame once you start gaining the weight back. I saw it so often in, you know, when I worked at Nordstrom. 
and the, and the women, these women would come and say, oh, I lost 50 pounds. I'm not shopping here anymore. And I would say to myself, we'll see. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Uh, but I knew I'd seen it so often I, yeah, I, for yeah. myself, too. And it and they were embarrassed when they had to come back yeah. and shop in the department. It's yeah. sad. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it's I guess what you're saying to clarify, it's not sad that someone is a certain size. No. Or that they can't keep their weight off. It's sad. Which Can you clarify what's sad about it? It's sad that they have to feel ashamed of themselves and um, that they gain weight back when this was you you know you can't win it's a perpetuate it's like a cycle perpetual cycle where you feel shame perhaps or embarrassed about how you look so you try to take charge and then if it fails which often diets do you have more shame you have compounded shame oh yes so then it's sort of just this self-defeating you know, and yet we still go for it. So oh, yeah, we do the same thing over and over again. I have friends who've done Optifast, who've done everything, diet pills, and I see them gaining weight back, and they they know they're gaining weight back, and they talk so badly about themselves. Or, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Oh, I ate too much, or, you know. And actually, you know, just to, to add to this, that's out of my, I don't even say things like that anymore. And when people do lose weight, when I see women losing weight, I try not to use that as a parameter of their success, you know, of, of how do I put it? Like, oh, you're good because you lost right. weight. I don't want to do you, that. You know, you should be proud of yourself. Yes. Yeah. And because what was wrong with you before? I mean, how do we equate this with, you know, weight? How mm-hmm. do we look at it? I think we need a new way of looking at bodies and body size and weight and how we treat others and ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to, well, I'll let you choose because you're my mom. You can either share advice you'd like to share with all women, you know, a like soundbite about that, or you can go back and what would you tell the young you? Oh, I would say you're just fine the way you are and you can eat whatever you want Mm -hmm. and you can trust your, you can trust your body and trust yourself and don't ever diet. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what my message would be, and I think the younger women, the younger girls, are more accepting of their of different body sizes. And there's you know some great women out there doing great things like Lizzo. I mm-hmm. I mean she's just so body positive, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what I that's really what my message would be. Don't don't go through the heartbreak I mean really the mental I mean mental illness you know that happens with people who with women who diet and Mm -hmm. um, think something is wrong with them and why can't they lose the weight and it's all focused on that when Mm -hmm. you know and what is really the issues yeah 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 which reminded me just now that it's kind of a distraction it is it is a distraction in therapy my therapist said that she said it's not about the weight. And, and I thought, yes, it is, you know, but it is a distraction because you're not getting to what's really going on mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom, what? we did it without cracking up. Really? I'm surprised <laughs> because I really wanted to laugh. I know. We can get going. Is there anything else you want to add? Or do you I, feel... think, I think we're good. Yeah. I think, right? I think that was do you think great. so? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for you. for coming on my podcast. Thank you for having me. And thanks for being a listener of my podcast yes, and always it. supporting them and supporting my work. I really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. I love it.
I love you. I love you. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to The Body Myth. If you'd like updates, want to complete the Your Body in the World survey, or have a body image anecdote you'd like me to read on air, please visit the link in the show notes or find the link in my Instagram profile at Ronit Plank. That's R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you have two more seconds, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts so that others can more easily find The Body Myth. Thank you so much for being here. 